Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby, and it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat. Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker, and this week I'm sitting down and interviewing the two owners of Iron GM Games, Rowan Barton and Lou Agrestia. The reason I'm having them on the show is that next week they launched the Grimmer Space Kickstarter. Grimmer Space has been, well, all over the place if you're on Facebook or Twitter or pretty much anything on the internet and subscribe to anything Starfinder related, you've probably been seeing a lot of mentions of this. A few reasons. One, well, it sounds really cool. And two, Sean Astin is involved with this. You've probably heard of him. He's in something called like Lord of the Rings and he was this other thing called Stranger Things. He's been in the Big Bang Theory. He's kind of a big deal. And he is one of the creative directors and helped come up with this world. What makes Grimmer Space so cool is that it is science fiction horror, and they go all the way. I really do like Starfinder quite a bit, but as many people have said, Starfinder has sort of fallen into the Guardians of the Galaxy genre, which is fun, but every so often you like to mix it up, and one of my favorite genres is sci-fi horror. So when I talked to these guys about this almost two years ago, I was on board. I wanted to get involved with this. It sounded awesome. Plus, I knew these guys were going to be making a huge amount of content. They were going to have something like 14 adventures, 14 unique locations, all with different attributes and overviews. And some of them are going to be like gothic horror to comedy horror to body horror. There's all these different horror types, and they hit the gamut. And my favorite part is... Is, is that Richard Pett, who has written some of the most horrific normal adventures, like his his regular adventures are pretty horrific, and I'm thinking, wow, if this guy gets to write something in the realm of sci-fi horror, it's going to be something special, and sure enough, it is, and in fact, it's a free adventure, Avatar 8, and I'm going to be running it at PaizoCon next week, as well as the guys from Iron GM, they're going to be running it all weekend at PaizoCon. You can also just download it right now for free if you want to get an idea of what Grimmer Space is about. I think it's a really good adventure. Even some of the graphics and the images in that adventure will give you an idea of what to expect. And it is pretty gruesome. There's one image in there especially that is nasty. Nasty. I love it. So I got to sit down with these two guys. We talk all about Grimmer Space. We talk about their history in the industry. And then we just talk about horror in general, like what they like, what I like, what inspires us. And then, of course, we talk about Sean Astin's involvement with Iron GM Games and Grimmer Space. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview.
everyone this is steve and i got a special treat i have the creators of iron gm games with me i have roan barton and lou agrestia who are coming out with a very yeah that's right i i said it that way coming out with a very very cool gaming system for starfinder in a couple of weeks, they're going to have a big old Kickstarter I've been talking about on the podcast like a ton called Grimmer Space. And this thing has got a lot going for it. Before we get into Grimmer Space, let's say hi to Roan and Lou. Hello, guys. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having us on. Hello. Glad to be here. And who is who? So people can identify the voices. I am Roan. <laughs> and I am Lou. <laughs> there we go. So now people know who to bet their anger at. That would be Lou. That would be Lou. So before we get into it, you guys have been around a long time. And you actually, I know you from doing the Iron GM Challenge at Gen Con and other places. This, though, is a little different. But let's get into just uh, a little bit of your background and some of the cool things you guys have been doing over the years. All right. Well, um, me first, I guess. Sorry, Lou. You snooze, you lose. Uh, I've been an RPG game designer and editor and podcaster for a good long while. And I won a couple of Ennies, Best Podcast, Gold, Gold, uh, Best Electronic Book. And I've worked for TSR and I've written for Goodman Games and I've written for Gunmetal Games and zero one games and terrasol games and oh just a bunch of games and and i'm boring myself lou take over i will take over um same thing we've been good lord we've been doing this i've been doing this since i say about 2004 uh ron and i met with a writing guild called the wear cabbages and we went on to get tutored by some big names in gaming uh we were lucky enough to to learn from them and like he said we went on to win a bunch of ennies I'm probably best known for work that I've done with Roan for, uh, geez, O one games and Paizo and, uh, resurrecting and the, guy, and the guy who saved razor coast, resurrecting a project called razor coast nominated for five Ennies, won a, a silver for best adventure. Uh, but I, I edited and developed that one, uh, other writers on it. And, we went on to do oh so many projects together and then we made iron gm which is an event um that's been around the country it's been in other countries and it brings together the best improvisational game masters throws three secret story elements at them demands they invent a game in an hour and then the players judge whether they sucked rocks or blew socks off and the best gms win tens of thousands of dollars of prizes we've had people had to get additional plane seats to bring their prizes home from gen con and then we formed iron gm games off of that to become publishers and bring our worlds to life and to take some of the improvisational genius we saw at work and put it into adventures you know i think your your uh, bio there outdid mine so i'd just like to say that i also invented dragons <laughs> Yes, real dragons. You invented real dragons. You're welcome. So with that and that amazing background, and I didn't know you work. I actually also wrote for Goodman Games. I did. Uh, I helped run the DCC adventures way back when, if you remember those. Yeah, yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
Yeah, back in um, back in 2007, 2008, the Wear Cabbage Writing Group and our private forums, we used to do these exercises like 100 things that, 100 mysterious events that would happen down by the dock, uh, 10 interesting taverns. And we just create these little articles. And I said, why don't we put these all in a book? And Steve Greer, great game designer, um, went to Joseph Goodman and we wrote GM Gems. And it was actually like the 75th top selling RPG product that year. I got to be an uh, editor and, and help manage the project and, and uh, certainly contributed a ton of writing to it, and um, as did Lou. And then we had a sequel uh, for Goodman called PC Pearls. Yeah, and we came up with a character called Bedlam Havoc, which we gave to uh, personality wanders all through that book with the protocols, all the things adventurers should do to stay alive, and they were hilarious. And Clinton Boomer did a lot of the humor in that as well. And I got to voice that character a lot. That was a lot of fun. Cool. So the main reason we're here is something called Grimmer Space. Grimmer Space. I've been hearing about for a long, long time. I spoke to Lou about this a while ago. But it's finally coming to life. I even see a web page. I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook. There's even an adventure out. And it looks like this thing is this thing is going to actually happen. And we're going to have a big old Kickstarter and and lots of videos coming out. So Tell me a little bit. And oh, wait, there's someone, me. That's right, me, who's going to be running some Grimmer Space at Paizo Saturday from, I believe it's one to five, that specific time. And that's actually going to be broadcast on the Paizo Twitch stream as well. That's right. We're going to even have like a little studio audience. And me and Param from No Direction are going to actually, Param's going to, produce it and i'm going to actually run the game so between the two of us we're going to figure this thing out very exciting very exciting but with all that tell me all about grammar space because there's so much to go about it and i'll say my favorite genre of science fiction is horror science fiction and one of the main reasons i even play starfinder is because i like science fiction but then when i saw you had horror science fiction like hardcore horror science fiction in the guise of like aliens and like event horizon all the real nasty horror sci-fi and then you're developing an entire system an entire world of this so i probably talked too long you guys tell me all about it i think you did a great job yeah yeah i think our work here is done you know we can go home (laughs) shortest interview ever okay (laughs) No, tell me. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I've only seen a little bit because I've saw and yeah, yeah. Abattoir Eight for sure. And but I don't know about all the other stuff. But there's so much to talk about. Let's first talk about. Just give me the background of what Grimmer Space even is. Sure. The hit him with the overview. Um. So so here here's the overview. Grimmer Space is a corner of the galaxy, science only horror corner of the galaxy. No magic, and it's invaded by magic for the very first time. And it pits a science only horror galaxy against a science fantasy galaxy, which is the default world of Starfinder and the two clash. And so magic plays a horror role because to the grimmers of grimmer space for the first time, magic is a horrifying and terrifying thing. It's something you've never seen before. Uh, And we pit these two worlds against each other. And so that's the, core nugget at the essence of grimmer space that the the magic world and the science only horror world are clashing they're coming together the horror in grimmer space though is is broad it, we we plan to 
cover 15 different types. Roan can talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. And we have 15 different types of horror. You, you've got, you can have gothic horror just because it's in space. You can still have gothic horror. You can have crime horror. You can have war horror, like what you'd see in Overlord. And uh, surreal horror uh, that's more high concept. And of course, as with our giveaway adventure that you can get for free, Abattoir 8, that's splatter slash survival horror. So any way you want to approach horror in our setting, you can. If you have a particular sort of horror that you prefer, there's actually different polities or star kingdoms, a way to think about it. We have five different polities, and this is where your character likely hails from. And each polity sort of engenders a certain selection of horror genres, like, uh, say, a place called the Eminent Spectrality. Well, that's where you go for gothic horror and bioengineering um, at its ugliest end, sort of, you know, reanimator style. And if you like your, if you like um, things that can happen among crowds, outbreaks, things that could go terribly wrong, no place better than the mega arcologies of the Adian Combine, where a billion people will live in a single building that's so tall it rises into space on a planet that has eight of those, and they all compete with one another. So whatever kind of horror you like, you can find it, and you can find it especially in one of those places you might, your character might hail from. One thing I wanted to talk about is that Grimmer Space is both a setting as well as adventures, as well as monsters. Like Grimmer Space is something that you can run as is, and there's pre-made adventures, or you can even just add little side adventures or little elements into your home campaign if you want these type of horror elements. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's completely correct. The the book, the core book that we're kickstarting is half setting and half adventures and every setting location in the setting part of the book has an adventure a matching adventure in the same book and those adventures will be anywhere from one session long to two three at the max and you can play that completely in grimmer space it's plug and play for you to take a location with an adventure that goes with it and pull it out plug it and play it right into your own home campaign or to play it in the overall milieu, which connects the default Starfinder setting to the world of Grimmer space and the overarching conflict of science versus magic. So you've got these three different ways to play with the core book in your hands. And I'm looking at the different types of horror. Tell me about the comedy horror. I, I want to know more. I, I, I get body. I get Gothic. I get splatter, but what's comedy sure. horror? Well, comedy horror, if you see Dead Alive or Shaun of the Dead, there's plenty of places where it's like, it, it may satirize horror a bit, but it actually has genuine scares. Um, I think comedy horror is something we're probably going to save for special moments. There'll certainly be places for it. But when it's comedy horror, there's always an element of human failure and the absurd. And quite often there's a satirizing of the horror genre, although done effective enough that you, as I said, can actually be genuinely scared. But uh, when we approach comedy, we'll definitely finesse it and make sure that it's not satire. Yeah, so so with comedy horror, um, you quite often it'll be a satire of horror, but still an effective satire of horror. We're not going to go in a satirical direction when we do that. Our approach to comedy horror, when we approach it, will be to highlight absurdity and futility 
and and um, you know you'll have your I guess you'll have you know your Cohen brothers in space sort of thing with with lots of blood probably. So who is involved with this? Because you have both some pretty popular slash famous authors as well as some guy named Sean Astin. Tell me more about Sean's involvement. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sean, Sean is a, a friend of Roan's and mine uh, from that we got to know from working on another RPG related project that we're, we're still working on, still live and, and, and strong. And in the course of working on that, um, we, we came to be working on Grimmer space and we thought that he was very much a, a perfect fit. Um, and so at that juncture, we called him up and said, Hey, uh, Sean, we're, we're about to launch Grimmer space and we'd really love you to be creatively involved. What do you, what do you think? And, uh, you know, we're, we were a little leery or I was a, a little leery of asking too much of him. And, and his response was, you know, don't, don't try to sell me on this. You guys, your stories are worthy. What you're doing is worthy. Story is worthy. I'm, I'm in. Um, and so he's jumped in with both feet to, to help us out with this and already given us a lot of creative input that's changed the course of the setting. What was it, his involvement exactly? I mean, I know he's doing some videos, but did he actually, does he actually play Starfinder or is he just help with like with the overall setting and the videos? Uh, he's a creative developer. He does not play Starfinder yet, but he is a creative developer. Uh, it's fair to say that Ron and I have introduced him to gaming and, uh, we intend to get him. To, it's our intention to get him to play Starfinder with us. Uh, hopefully, we'll be making that happen. Uh, but as a creative developer, he reviews the material and he gives his input on what will make it cinematic, what will make it effective, what will make it stronger. And uh, that's been really invaluable. And we expect it to continue to be. And what are the videos he created? Because I saw a couple of them and they are both. I mean, it's nice to have a professional actor make videos for you and your, you know, and that's kind of, he's comedy horror, actually there's comedy horror. Cause the stuff he's been doing is kind of funny and sort of a little bit, um, satirical as well. You know, you know, the thing is what you haven't seen is you've only seen maybe one video where it looks like we're going to be killed. There's a bunch of videos where it doesn't look like we're going to be killed. We're totally going to get killed. Yeah, you were asking about comedy horror, man. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so it's immersed. It's it's immersive. Like basically, he plays a in some of our promotional fun skits. He plays an anchorman uh, named Vic Twenty Six, and we're the hapless reporters in the field, and it never goes well for us. So in some cases, shockingly, so it gets kind of progressively more disastrous the more you see us. And so, uh, but we do it immersive as if it's actually happening in Grimmer Space. It's a Grimmer Space news report. That's why I said it's really happening. With those reports, are those like tied into the adventures, the uh, little video vignettes? Uh, no, the you've seen one that is tied into the Abattoir Eight adventure, and uh, on our Facebook page and some of our social media, we put it out there. So what we've created are uh, around uh, a series of these news reports that will be released during the Kickstarter. Whereas Roan said, Sean plays Vic Twenty Six, the news reporter reporting on events in Grimmer Space. They're comedy horror skits where Ron and I are news reporters embedded in the setting. Things don't go well for us. We think they're pretty funny. Sean was in the studio for hours and we were recording them with him. And then 
they speak to parts of the setting. We took the one that also happened to overlap with Abattoir, uh, Abattoir 8 and, and uh, pull it out and release it early, both as a preview of what's coming for people to enjoy during the Kickstarter videos of Sean Astin acting a role within Grimmer Space, and also because it connects to the free giveaway adventure. So people can see the first, The it's actually number five out of order of these uh, on our social media, but there's uh, a number more of them that will be released during the Kickstarter for people to see. So here's the thing, though. The reason why we did those videos to release during the Kickstarter is because video one introduces you into the new big baddies in the setting and their shock troops. Uh, and then factions are covered, mysterious places on the outer edge. So different parts of our setting, different aspects of our core book. Uh, and then the bestiary, each of those gets its own video. So there'll be a series of videos, and each one will highlight and lead the discussion into the fact that, hey, there are strange creatures, so that would be the bestiary one, or factions. There's a point where Lou and I are, are uh, kidnapped by space pirates called the Shung Corsarium, and that's a, whole, that's a whole video too. And in that one, I actually got actually stabbed. So when you see me get uh, stabbed by a space pirate, that really happened on set. I was stabbed with a large Chinese weapon across my throat. Fun story there. By a real space pirate? Well, no, that part's not real. <laughs> By that my part... girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a real space pirate. There you go. So what about some of the authors? Because obviously you have the free adventure out now, Abattoir 8, and that's written by Richard Pett, who is synonymous with insane adventures. But then you got a couple of other people like Adam Daigle and Jason Bullman and Owen Stevens. What, how did they contribute? Are they writing adventures? Are they writing content? I, provide, I, pre, I presume they're writing everything, obviously, because you need authors. So, Sure. Well, it, it runs the spectrum, and some of this is yet to be determined because we're going to let them pick and choose what they most wish to do. But the answer to your question in short is yes. Some of them are creating monsters. Some of them are creating adventures. Some of them are writing setting material. Um, we've got... Uh, Greg Vaughn, Shanna Germain, Jason Bullman, uh, Wolfgang Bauer, uh, Eric Mona's writing our forward. Ben McFarland, James Sutter. Yeah, Shanna Germain, Owen, Ste uh, Owen Stevens, Jason Bullman, Wolfgang Bauer, Greg Vaughn, Eric Mona's writing our forward. Uh, and like I said, a lot of them are going to pick and choose what they want to do, but monsters adventures setting material uh they're in people are involved up to their hips uh, and it's it's going to be great it's going to be a collaboration we went out to get the best of the best so that we could have everyone to contribute and and the truth is many of these people are our friends and we've looked for ways to collaborate with them and to be creative with them for a long time and it's really exciting that when we finally get to do something that's coming from the heart and from a place uh, uh, that we this is ours we get to do this all our friends are saying yes and we want to do it with you and that that feels great that's true you've been you you've been saying to me since like 2010 that you and greg were gonna write part of an ap together or you were gonna write this together and you guys just never got your shot to collaborate right 
Yeah, that's that's true. We we were going to write an AP and then they were like, no, we're we're tired of this kind of, you know, like no more pirates. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then and then we were going to work on another AP and and I simply uh, couldn't do it because of personal reasons in my life. And, and so I didn't get the shot at the, the, you know, the AP has its timetable. So I couldn't get on board that particular time. And then Greg moved on to some other, th- yeah, just like life didn't cooperate. So to be able to finally get to work together is really exciting. So wait, you said no more pirates, but aren't there space pirates and didn't they stab Roan? What's going oh, on? Oh, Hey, we don't have a problem with pirates. It's whoever L- Lou and Greg were going to write for that had an issue with no more pirates. I guess that was Paizo. Correct, correct. And 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 rightfully, understandably so, this is post-Skull and Shackles. <laughs> so actually, let's talk about the Kickstarter. So w- when does the Kickstarter start? It starts right around PytoCon. May 22nd. May 22nd. That's the official date. Correct. What can you tell me about it? I know very little about the Kickstarter, so pretend I know nothing. It is a Wednesday. Than- Wednesday is named after Woden or Odin, and it's the middle of the week. Oh, you mean, oh, I'm sorry, Lou, this is your expertise. You talk about the Kickstarter. I thought he wanted to know about Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have a, a, a lot of really uh, amazing things, I think, going on with the Kickstarter. Uh, the first is, of course, the books themselves. You have your core setting book uh, and adventures book. And like I said, every element, half a setting, half adventures, fully funded. This will be a 256-page book with uh, full color hardback uh fully funded we're looking at a 96 page um or thereabouts uh bestiary and we're looking at a player's guide chock full of all the player material we're looking at um two 48 page adventures one by richard pett the abattoir that is being given away for free will then be married to a part two that's equally long. And while Abattoir 8 stands on its own as a complete adventure, when it gets its part two, they'll go together and become Casket of the Cull, which is an even more involved, complex adventure. And then Greg Vaughn will write an adventure set in another polity of Grimmer Space, another central uh, star kingdom or nation that players come from. So you'll get a total of five books. Is that right? Did I count right? Can I count? my fingers all right thank you that's good to know and uh so that's the core of the offering there in terms of the books uh on top of that gaming paper is contributing uh access to their roles in black hex for starship combat their singles and their erasable tiles we have uh poster maps of both the uh, galaxy of Grimmer space, which has some unique features and of uh, the starship that you can win in casket of the call uh, as a, as a playable battle mat. The navigational poster for the galaxy is pretty interesting and unique because here's something you need that is important to think of that hit us when we first started thinking about this Grimmer space as a, science only corner of the galaxy with no magic can't have the drift drive initially because the drift drive for getting around Starfinder is magic based. So they got to have something else. And that something else has to be a little different and it's going to be affected by things like fuel, air and food. And yet 
We don't want to have some big bookkeeping problem. So we had to solve that. And so we have a star map where you can take a ruler or a piece of string, connect it from one destination to another destination, take that and put it to the key right to the side and measure out, oh, that's how much air I need, how much fuel and how much food, really simply, and calculate everything you need to get from one point of grimmer space to another. So, so we have that. Uh, another thing that we have that we've arranged for is the ability to deliver the beginner's box or the Starfinder core rulebook as part of a backer level. Uh, and that is pretty unique. So people who want to try Starfinder for the first time or introduce it to uh, people who are who feel the beginner box is a good place to start or who are Starfinder curious are going to have backer pledges where that's appropriate. That's not an endorsement by Paizo of either Grimmer Space or our Kickstarter, but it is something we're arranging as a one-stop shopping courtesy for our backers. Um, some other things we're going to have, um, we're going to have a mini and that mini will be of the settings, um, contagonist or stormtrooper minions of the bad guys, uh, a creature called the Hodrak, a species called the Hodrak. We've gone out of our way to pre-design them, pre-pour them, pre-buy them. So there's a limited number when they're gone, they're gone because we're not tying the success of the Kickstarter to anything to do with miniatures. We've pre-bought them. If the Kickstarter fails, Ron and I own a lot of minis. <laughs> Whole bunch of minis. <laughs> but we wanted to make sure they were there for people who wanted them. And they're amazing. And effing cool minis is making them. And they're metal. And uh, I've got an old school feeling for metal. I know that's not everyone's favorite, but some people just absolutely love them. And you're going to love these because they're off the hook. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I could go on and on. There's just a smorgasbord of incredible options to add to this Kickstarter. So what about the different adventures? Because I've talked to you about that, that you have not only the larger adventures, but you have cool short adventures, mini adventures, and these doorway encounters so that you could easily yep. incorporate these into your campaigns. Well, I, I think the best way to understand that is maybe to understand a little bit more about the setting because each aspect of the setting it gets its own adventure. Maybe, maybe Rowan, do you want to give them an overview of you know, the, the crux, the edge, the gyre, and how it lays out? The, well, the cosmology of the Gliding Room Galaxy, which is shortened to G-Rim, that's where we get Grim, and the people who are natives of the G-Rim Galaxy are the Grimmers. There, there's five there's five star polities, and those are near the center of the galaxy, which is called the Crux. And each of these polities carves up their territory. And any adventure that takes place to give you a feel for a polity, how uh, many words is that, Lou? Are we going up to 7,500 for those or 5,000? How many words for a polity? Uh, it's about 7,500 plus or, plus or minus. Okay, so 7,500, because that's a major location. So we don't just want you to read fact. I mean, we, we have some player options, and we have you know character classes you can, you can do and factions you can join and all of that. But then there's backstory about the polity. Well, along with the backstory of the polity is actually an adventure in the polity itself. So you can learn it sort of Berlitz style, like learning a language. You just immerse into an adventure. And, and so you learn, you see by, by living 
in, in the world itself. Those adventures need to be about 7,500 words. Um, how, how long, uh, how many sessions is that? Yeah, I, I mean, word count may vary. That that really depends. It's more like two to, th- it'll play out in two to three sessions. It, it shouldn't be more than three sessions. Some will be two, some will be three. But then you get to other places. Uh, as you move outward from the crux, you move towards the edge. And this is where colonies um, give way to unexplored planets and uh, distant colonies and, and distant resource gathering for these major polities. And when we find a particular, we have a, a bunch of adventures planned for those areas too. And how many words were those, Lou? Were those like 2,500? No, those are, it's, it's more like one to two sessions. So you, and as you get out to the edge, that's also where things get weirder and stranger and darker and less controlled, right? That's, uh, it, it's, it's less civilized, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then there's these places that are, we're just giving you a, a quick step in and experience it. The doorway adventure, the door, the portal type adventures, you're just, you're just basically getting a taste. It's more of a single encounter to give some of the flavor of Grimmer Space. And so you have the crux at the center of the G-Room galaxy, and then you've got the edge, and that's the outer edge. This looks like it used to be a double spiral, double bar spiral galaxy, but the at either end, the spirals are pulled down from some massive gravitational force. So from a distance, the entire galaxy looks like a tornado. It looks tornadic. It's a vortex. And those arms that spin downward and entwine underneath the G-Room galaxy, that's called the gyre. And that is where that is where things exist that are beyond understanding. And you don't go into the gyre, but sometimes things do come out of the gyre, and they're absolutely terrible. Right, and things get chased out of the gyre too. Yeah, bad things chased by worse things. Uh, and one of those things being the entire species of the entire race of the Hodrak that we were just discussing that we've made a mini for. Um, and they get chased and right into the arms of the the settings big bads, the the Sunder Mages. And those are the those are the ones who not even on purpose, wound up coming to this galaxy, opening up a huge tear in space-time called the Seethe that can be seen from a great distance as it millions of miles across and glows with a a white and purple light. And out of that uh, tear comes this enormous ship and these nigh-immortal wizards who, by the time they reach uh, the G-Rim, they've been traveling for thousands of years and they've fused with abominations, an abomination that was trapped aboard their ship and their own magic items. And they're like epic level mages. So they are, they are unto gods and they have come here for conquest and where that's certainly scary. And, uh, the Grimmers have reason to be afraid. The Grimmers have been beating back horrors from the depths, uh, for a very long time. And this is just a new enemy and it's going to be, it's going to be bullets versus fireballs. You take your pick. That's right. And it's that it's that rip in space time through which magic is leaking. Whatever is chasing the Hodrak and other things out of the dryer, nobody knows. But the, the Hodrak get driven in the arms of the Sunder Mages. And for various reasons, the two team up. And now we have our overarching conflict and our overarching theme under which... 15 different kinds of horror, many different 
themes, many different kinds of conflict will be explored. And each of our worlds in the poly, it should be said, you know, like the, the Adian Combine, I explained that those mega arcologies there, and there's eight of them on this planet Adian Prime, you could have your entire adventure, first level through 20th level, be in a single mega arcology and still not see uh, but a sliver of what could happen there. You could stay in any particular polity and have a full, uh, absolutely full adventure experience like the lifetime of your character or you can travel between all of them but if you do want to stay put we've got uh we've got character classes that work uh well if you travel to places beyond and yet uh the the home planet and yet there's there's also character classes that fit really nicely if if you choose to stay put you want to talk about the character classes a little Lou? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, and, and I want to make sure that we, we answered your question. We, we went into that cosmology to say that, you know, if you're having your adventures in, in one of the crux polities that are the defining root civilizations of Grimmer space from which players will tend to come if they've decided that their characters are coming from Grimmer space originally, um, then you're going to have in the core setting book, it'll tend to be the two and three, plus session adventures if you're playing a, a an adventure that comes from one of the edge locations like roan mentioned and 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 alluded to this is probably one of the one to two session adventures and um scattered through that like he indicated there are the doorway encounters and these are encounters that you will kick you off that you can use to launch your own particular flavor of uh, adventure for the rest of that evening. Also from each of these, like uh, Ron is saying, you have, they, they give rise to their own character classes. They give rise to their own organizations. They give rise to their own themes. They lend themselves to their own kind of horror. So for example, the eminent spectrality, uh, which lends itself to Gothic horror also is the home of five houses obsessed with um, avoiding death and superstitious about their planet of origin because it's built on the bones of a lost civilization. They believe they must feed with a blood ritual intermittently, or they will be haunted by the, 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 the elder builders whose um, uh, home world solitaire they inhabit. And because they pursue life extension technology, they are the most advanced in medical and biotech. And that gives rise to a character class, the recombinator, which is something like a mechanic instead of, but instead of having a drone that you build in advance with levels. Or an exoskeleton, an external drone or an exoskeleton, rather than have it be mechanical, it's actually a vat grown creature, a unique vat grown creature that you've created that either wraps around you like a second skin or or operates separately. Correct. With, so, with some intelligence. So how many uh, extra classes are there besides this very cool sounding one or other new classes that you're introducing? So, so each of the polities wound up giving rise to a, a new class or archetype or player option of one sort or another. We we actually started with the mission of keeping player options to a minimum for the reason that there were so many new player options in the Paizo core material 
that people needed places to play much more than they needed new player options from third parties. But we found it inevitable that new player options arose organically, naturally, and unavoidably from the material. So every core polity gave rise to at least something. So let me actually ask you about the setting. Main question is why? Why do space horror? Was, uh, you know, there's so many other different types of settings, but you guys decided to do a space horror Starfinder setting. Road is sick. That's why. No. Well, besides that, I mean, for someone like me, I love it, but it's not something you see very often. You know, it's it's just you see a lot of high fantasy and you see, especially with Starfinder, because it's more in the Guardians of the Galaxy style. It's kind of goofy or fun things that have been a lot of stuff that's being released for Starfinder is very similar to the current Starfinder feel and it's just different options. But this is this is going in a very different direction. This is taking the Starfinder rules, but really perverting them, <laughs> especially if you look at the Richard Pet adventure. It just goes in a very, very different direction. Well, I think uh, you said it there. Hey, it's uh, you don't see a lot of that. Well, that's one of the reasons to do it. And I really like science fiction horror myself. I like science fiction in general. I like horror and I like science fiction horror. And I take my horror pretty seriously. I'm usually... I'm usually a bit unimpressed with horror. Um, it quite often gets phoned in, and what's successful is very formulaic. But just like with words, it amazes me how words can be beautiful or how they can be terrible. Horror is one of those things that when it's done right, it can put you in a place that you're not used to being. The same way that something that makes you exult can just you know lift your spirits. Uh Horror can do some really, it can accomplish some really amazing things so long as it's not um, tired and hackneyed, so long as it stays bold, so long as it remembers what it takes to scare people or at least give it a good attempt. So we take our horror pretty seriously and there's a lot of debate about, you know, is this scary enough? It's it's like I say, it's like a boxer's... Uh, uppercut it doesn't knock you out because it hits you so hard it comes in at an angle that you're not ready for and it shakes the brain and horrors like that and when you see that thing you weren't expecting to see and that's important being original and creating original horror is very important so we're not just say skinning like famous movies that we've seen not that you know you're not you're not inspired by things you've seen before we're really making an earnest attempt to bring people new types of scares, very committed to original storytelling. And the horror is a place where that's a challenge. And so if you get it right, you've really done something. Science fiction horror uh, is so good when it's good. And when it's so bad, it's just um, so bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> just painful. To me, all of fantasy and science fiction serves a function that that dream often serves, which is it enables us to look at things uh, from an angle that are too hard to face dead on. But you get to do something in science fiction and horror that you don't do in fantasy. In, in horror, the cloak of dream is thinner. You get to look at things a little more head on and they're a little more horrifying, hence the name. Um, and in science fiction, you're asking a very specific question. What does it mean to be human? And you're ready to brace the question, the answer that maybe that's not so pretty. And and facing that truth 
and being willing to face the answer a little more dead on that maybe that's not so nice can can serve as a very useful spur to to art and creativity and and perhaps get some useful answers or maybe that's too maybe that's too aggressive at least it can ask some useful questions so what are some of your favorite horror roan if you treat your horror seriously give us some recommendations things that inspired you for this okay so here's the thing um i'm a cinephile and a reader i'm not a reader like lou's a reader but what lou is to reading i am to film so oh, it can be film trust me it can be anything yeah no I'm, no 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 I'm, no but i've it, it's kind of like this i've written i've written essays to to guide our writers along where i base all kinds of points based on all kinds of movies so it's almost the kind of it's like somebody saying what's your favorite food i don't have favorites of anything but what i've been inspired what has inspired me um a good smattering of i mean i i've definitely seen well over 10,000 films and uh and although there's been some schlock horror in there uh there's been some really really fine storytelling a uh, good portion of that is probably horror so I, it, it's probably just like, why don't we just start a spinoff podcast called, you know, Ron and Steve and Lou talk horror, because I couldn't come down on one thing. If you name any science fiction horror film, I can probably expound on it ad nauseum and, and put everyone to sleep because I've got a lot of opinions about everything, but I don't know if there's uh, uh, any single things that I can point to. I'm inspired by science fiction, horror and science. I'm inspired by all sorts of stories going, going all the way back. Um, so I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to give a pithy answer there. What about Lou? He's got to have something in horror and science fiction in books. What would you like? Horror science fiction. Well, very recently I saw a horror movie that impressed me, which was a dark song. Uh, and that is a a slow moving European horror film about a, a woman trying to reconnect with her lost child and seeking esoteric ways to do so. I, I found that one, um, that was kind of a cosmic, supernatural, religious, almost horror. That was pretty impressive. A horror piece. I, I haven't, I've read more science fiction than I have um, read horror. Horror I've mostly seen in film. Uh, another recent horror film that had a moment that really worked for me was um, Overlord, uh, which was very, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very um, gratuitous and splashy and exciting uh, in a lot of different ways. But it had this one really intimate, fantastic moment where. In the attic. In the attic, exactly. Where there are. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Spoilers! No, you're, you're spoilers go, alert! You're going to spoil alert. it. Spoiler alert! You're you're going to spoil it. And you know, speaking of which, you mentioned Dark Song. There's a, a there's another film very much like that out of India. Speaking of foreign films about talking to the dead, called The Other Side of the Door, which was also pretty fantastic and very much like a Dark Song, but in a in a different, definitely in a different storytelling style. The uh, so spoiler alert on Overlord. Close your ears if you don't want to be spoiled. You have been alerted. Have you seen it yourself, Stephen? No, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll see it eventually. Okay, so like, I'm waiting. Well, why don't you just cable. talk about Lou? Why, without spoiling the film, why don't you just talk yes. about what you learned? What like, the what moment was, effective? was? Yes. Yeah. Here's here's what I learned. There, there is a um, 
an event that happens and there were many places they could have chosen to place this event. And instead what they chose to do was place it in a very closed, intimate space where people had just enough room to move around, but not enough room to be out of reach and no ability to actually leave the room without putting themselves in even greater danger. And the helplessness, the many layers of helplessness, and the fact that it was all happening in an intimate personal space range made everything so inescapably in your underpants. It was just so crawl up your spine like, like someone had dropped a cockroach down your shirt. It it was uh, it was just a perfect choice to really get you with the moment viscerally, and it, yeah, and, and it stuck to me. And that's that's the thing. It's not just you know, do you have a monster? Do you, you know I'm a scary monster? It's it's where you pull it off. I've seen a ton of vampire films, but Russell Simmons did a black and white vampire film back in the '90s called um, The Addiction. And Lily Taylor starred in it. It was really interesting. A little esoteric. It was a, it was a sort of a, um, it was almost like a, a junkie writer detailing their descent into heroin addiction. Only she was talking about becoming a vampire. And we've seen, we saw what happened in Blade at the start, where or Blade Two was that the one where there's a party and it it, it uh, something pops off at a party and people start dying in the party. But the addiction had a moment where there was just a. Uh, like an apartment party and half the people in the apartment are vampires. <laughs> you know, you just don't really get that until they turn around and they just start slaughtering people. But because it was shot on a sort of verite style and you were listening in on real conversations, it was shocking to see their gear shift into something like that. So even in Abattoir 8, a, um, a scene we, uh, we added to the start to let you know, um, uh, that you're not in Kansas anymore, um, is that when you first are ferried to the space station and you see that there's a huge space station surrounded by uh, smaller ships and they're all derelict, they're dark, uh, the lights are off for the most part, and there's bodies floating in space, and you see an airlock door open, and out steps a naked man who smiles at you and waves and steps out and cartwheels slowly to his death in space. And what's so upsetting about that is that he was smiling <laughs> and that he was naked. Uh, he was at his most vulnerable, and space is the ultimate weapon, and he had no armor against this weapon. Steps out with a smile. Why is he smiling? What could possibly be happening here? And um, Lou, how did that go over with the playtesters? Um, invariably, the playtest response to that was some version of a jaw drop or a irretrievable shudder. Um, There was one playtest group where I was watching it over the vid cam and I saw one person at the table uh, reach their hand out (laughs) like they were trying to grab and stop someone from doing something. And, and of course, half the time afterwards, everyone was like, no, no, I was, no, I didn't, yeah, whatever. It's a small moment. It's not a violent thing. It's not a too terrible thing, but it shakes the brain a bit. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I mean, myself, 
I mean, I'm old school. I actually like a lot of Stephen King just because he does a lot of stuff like that where he will take very ordinary circumstances and just add one odd or strange element to it to make it disturbing. I've actually uh, taken a lot of, I've actually taken a couple courses on Stephen King books and just the way he writes. And I'm also a child of the eighties. So that was, you know, very big in the eighties, everything was Stephen King, but so you've read dance macabre. Actually, I have not read dance macabre a a, um, book on writing horror. Yeah. 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 I know. I've actually, I know his books on writing are actually his best. Um, his books on writing and actually the books on little league, his little league books are incredible. The short stories, but yeah, he's actually you know famous for doing that. Is that he'll take very normal circumstances and just warp them, and that's like the secret to a lot of his success. But I will give you a short story. Let's see if any of you have read this one. the The most horrific thing I've ever read is by Piers Anthony of all people, called "On the Uses of Torture." Have any of you read that? I have a ton of Piers Anthony books, but I don't. I don't know if I've ever read a Piers Say it again. You, you cut out for a second. It's uh, Piers Anthony. It's from his anthology, which is a bunch of short stories. And it's called On the Uses of Torture. You can, you can actually look it up on Amazon, and it has a lot of people saying... Nope, I will. Do people say, don't read this? <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of articles about, like, this is horrific. And it is, it's one of those few things that I read that sort of changed me. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, yikes. This is... This so is we're going to blame Piers Anthony for this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Piers, I know, of all people, Piers Anthony, the master of Xanth and Split Infinity and the Bio of the Space Tyrant. Actually, Bio of the Space Tyrant is pretty horrific, too. Yeah, I do have... It, that's, I do... I do have the anthology, so I'm going to have to go read it. But yeah, I do have the anthology book, so now I have to go read it. So if you, it's if I don't come back, it's, know that you're responsible <laughs> for sending me into the mouth of madness. I'll be curious to see what you think of it. I mean, I read it when I was like in high school. I actually went back to reread it recently, and it stands up. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. I, t- I mean, uh, yeah it's it's one of those books that you read and you kind of or sorry stories that you read and you wonder what you wonder what was the guy thinking who wrote this it's disturbing not in the way that oh this is scary it's disturbing in the way of like wow who is sick enough to actually write a story like this yeah i i have thoughts like that that i've put down over the decades i've written down scenes that are so beyond what you see in horror that they they're either brilliant or they're the worst thing that's ever happened in a word file and i don't write those up because i don't think there's a home for them but i certainly like to see how far the mind will stretch both towards beautiful and terrible things uh and i have a great respect for um anybody who can go where nobody's gone before um and can prove it so i have to go read the story now and see how disturbed piers anthony actually is uh he's pretty disturbed it's pretty disturbing. It's it's it's. I'm looking at it right now. It's got like you know. It's one of those that gets strange reviews. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I'll be honest. Even I, I like a lot of Stephen King short stories, um, as opposed to his longer works. He he does some pretty horrific things. A lot of his short stories. Um, I don't know why Stephen King short stories seem to have a little bit more power than his longer his longer books. Yeah, I've in, I've enjoyed them too, definitely, and. Um... And I remember when Clive Barker came along and I was a teenager and I picked up his first uh, 
his first books, his collections, and Stephen King in- endorsed him pretty heavily when he first came out. And I remember those uh, strange tales where he mixed beautiful things with terrible things, the way Clive Barker likes to do, uh, and uh, put the you know bouquet of roses right next to the guts, you know that sort of thing. We'll wrap this up shortly, but tell me a little bit about Abattoir Eight, because for those of you who want to know more about Grimmer Space. And what it's all about, you can download this free adventure by Richard Pat. It has enough for you to go from level one to three. And I played some of it. And the other nice thing about this adventure is that it has lots of different types of adventure um, themes. It has a lot of different tropes in it. So it's not just one type of adventure. It's not just like all body horror or all like psycho killer chasing you. It's got a little bit of everything. It sort of mixes it up, which also is good. That's another secret of good horror is like actually one of my favorite people of horror, believe it or not, is this going to sound strange. It's not even horror, but the Frighteners. The Frighteners. the Frighteners is great. You know, that's one of those films. Love it. It's one of those right. few films where I could watch Jay Lee Ermy turn his arms into machine guns and try to defend everybody. That film has a kind of rewatchability that I don't even understand. Uh, I can't usually watch a film over and over again, but The Frighteners was fantastic. And it's um, fantastic. And I, I watched that in the theater, and I remember I'm like, oh, it's a comedy. Oh, it's a drama. Oh, it's a horror film. Like it goes all over the place and it succeeds in amazing ways but your game is your the avatar 8 is kind of like that because it's 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 kind of a little bit of everything and because of that it's really disturbing well that's a good cut thank you oh thank you <laughs> yeah well I, I'm, I'm actually thanking richard not you guys but yes i'm kidding i'm kidding no that's that's okay we we thank him every day but anyhow tell me tell us a little bit about the free download that they can get Sure. Well, they can get it at Drive Through RPG. They can also, if they prefer, download it on the Open Gaming Store. Uh, just re- just look up Abattoir Eight, and there's also a free map pack that goes with it, where we've already extracted the uh, maps and the art and stuff for for easy use for your convenience. Not VTT ready yet. That'll come with the Kickstarter, um, but but at least we did some of the work there for you. Uh, the adventure itself is on a st- Base station, an agricultural station orbiting the planet Conviction that has gone mysteriously dark. And the adventurers are tasked with finding out why, because the flow of food to the colonies is not resumed. There's going to be rioting. There's going to be starvation. There's going to be a lot of problems. And if they rely on the powers that be in the Adian Combine, one of our five polities, or the more precisely, the outsourced company Hunger Incorporated, uh, tasked with managing these agricultural stations, well, it's going to be an awful long time before anything gets fixed. So off they go to fix uh, the problem, find out what went wrong, what could possibly go wrong, because it's it's only a floating abattoir in space where they slaughter thunk, the uh, everyone's favorite food ungulate. Nothing could go wrong, right, Ron? That's correct, sir. That's a joke my brother and I always have because we also love going on scary rides like the old classic dark rides. And that's the old everything's fine. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And then like every Jurassic Park ride, every Universal Studios ride, it's always something goes horribly wrong. And so before we go on a ride, my brother and I always look at each other and we say, and nothing could 
possibly go wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and so, so the I, I don't want to give anything away, but the they players arrive. There's a number of reasons and ways they could arrive. Um, we injected our one little bit of comedy horror in the entire adventure right in the hooks for people to choose from. We've included uh, pre-gens, including uh, level two pre-gens for players that, you know, so you don't have to pause if you just want to, uh, you know, give it a go, not inserting into your home campaign. And you have to navigate this uh, station and this floating abattoir and agricultural hub to get to control and figure out what went wrong and try to get it back on track. And it turns into you must escape. This particular adventure is uh, splatter horror, survival horror. Uh, those are its primary genres. Yeah. Yeah. Of definitely. our 50, yeah. Uh, of our 15, there are other subgenres in there. Uh, you'll see on the back of this adventure as, and this will be on all of our adventures. We list our 15 kinds of horror and then we light up the ones that are primarily what this is, you'll find in this adventure. Doesn't mean that way you know what you're getting. Right, exactly. Doesn't mean the other kinds aren't in there. It just means primarily that's what happens to be in this one. Um, and for the next adventure, it'll be something totally different, primarily cosmic and psychological with a little bit of splatter, but we didn't bother lighting that up because it wasn't important enough. And, um, yeah, like the, the next, the next half of the adventure is cosmic and body. I would say definitely cosmic horror and body horror heavily. Right. Exactly. I was going to say is that one thing I liked about the adventure is the artwork because, you know, yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard to, you know, as good of a GM as some people might be to, to constantly keep that level of horror up. But some of the artwork in this is really, really... I can't give anything away because it's little spoilers. But there is some really nasty stuff. All I know is there's one or two in here that I'm definitely going to get to be able to show during the Paizo adventure. And I can't wait to show some of the horrific artwork that you guys have created for this adventure. Thank you so much. Yeah, we take, we take a lot of pride in it. We've worked with some... Uh, I had the honor of being the art director for this. And... Uh, reaching out to artists around the world who caught our eye and helped create a, a standard for Grimmer Space. And uh, they were just fantastic. And I would, I went to authors, I'm an author, I went to uh, some artists who didn't actually have horror in their portfolio. Not a lick of it. And so some of that stuff you might be going where you're like, that's a deeply disturbing painting. <laughs> that guy only does children's books. And you're like, well, why did why did you approach this person? I just saw something that I knew would translate, and I dared knock on their door and say, "Hey!" And you always feel a little guilty. Like, would you mind painting something absolutely terrible? And they're like, "Sure," you know, because it gives them a chance to stretch. So I think um, we've probably made a couple of people's art station portfolios take a sudden turn to the left. Right, right, or stretch, or so much like, will I? Because nobody has ever asked me to do that since I did that popular children's book, and it's what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. They they like they like the chance to just work in horror because they never do, and uh, so we've really just gotten the best out of people, and we'll send along you all send along the art order and maybe a sketch I did of what it's supposed to look like, and it'll come back, and I'll send it to Lou immediately, and I go. 
huh, what do you think? And you're like, yeah, that's that's really scary. It's really disturbing. It really sets a mood. So, uh, yeah, the art's been uh, fantastic. And we 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 don't want to get too art drunk with this Kickstarter. But, you know, we, we also sort of do because the art is just so amazing. Pulls you right in and tells such a story. You could probably just look at our books if you didn't want to read them and still get something out of it. I, I would definitely say our, our material is 13 plus and we've been careful to maintain our Paizo compatibility, our Starfinder compatibility, um, but we've also walked right up to the line a couple of times. Uh, we did have two different standards reviews uh, in order to make sure we didn't cross that line. But yes, including the artwork, we did walk up to it once or twice and say, oh, look, look, the line. We'll wrap this up. So the Kickstarter is in less than a month where you'll be able to find out more about Grimmer Space, see all the cool videos with Sean Aston. You'll be able to see you guys get killed by a real space pirate. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, and then when do you expect this to come out? Or will is, uh, is that all dependent on how the Kickstarter come, goes along? It is dependent on how the Kickstarter comes along. Um, fully funded, it will enable Ron and I to focus on it pretty much full time. Um, that should allow us to deliver within, I, I want to say, four to six months, everything. Um, oh, really? Four to six months? Great. I was thinking like a year. So, well, <laughs> that's, that's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say six months. But okay, how about six months to a year? How yeah, about that? let's call it six months there to a year. Go. Let me not get too there aggressive. Let me overpromise and hopefully underdeliver. Yes. Well, that's fine. People people expect the kickstarters. They rarely will go right up up to time. But as long as you give them lots of updates, and you guys already have the free adventure is worth it alone. I mean that that alone is a quality. Uh, that alone shows the level of quality. There's a proof of uh, there's a proof of our standard, our quality. You can see our layout. You can see how we put our stories together, um, the storytelling quality, the art quality, the layout, um, and. I think you get a pretty good idea of what we're going to be bringing you. Cool. And you guys are going to be at PaizoCon? Oh, yeah. We're going to be at PaizoCon running Avatar 8 ourselves for for those who dare. Um, three to four times a day, every day of the con. Um, there'll be your live play broadcast of it, um, your actual play broadcast of it. And then after the... Uh, banquet Paizo banquet after the Paizo banquet we're going to have we're going to host a Grimmer Space launch party uh, which will be either celebrating the amazing Kickstarter no I'm just going to say it we will be celebrating the amazing Kickstarter and our gratitude for all the wonderful support we've received because space is vast and what we have planned to explore is vast and this Kickstarter is just the beginning because it's going to launch our company, Iron GN Games, which is going to allow us to explore everything that the Grimmer Space world has to offer and hopefully be delivering material to fans for years to come. Uh, can't do it without everyone here. Can't do it without this first step. And so we're going to be celebrating that in an after hours party Saturday night after the launch party. There'll be free drinks for some people there will be 
custom drinks that are direct out of Grimmer Space. There will be um, there will be me dancing. Nobody wants to see that. What else will there be? <laughs> Door prizes. Wonderful. I don't stuff. know. You, once you said you dancing, my brain just shut down. Well, that is the horror right there. Right. That's 16. That's 16 types of horror. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll be at that party. That sounds like fun. If I'm invited, that is. Of course you're invited. I don't know. You never know with these things. Run our live play. Now go home. <laughs> you never know. You never Leaders. know. I got things to do. I got people to see things to do. I'm busy at PaizoCon. Param will be there. Param? Oh, will be at the party? Well, in that case, I definitely will not. I mean, I definitely will go. <laughs> I meant, yes, of course. All right, cool. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. I do like what has been shown so far. I will. I actually, this is what I'm planning on doing for the live play. I'm going to go all out and I'm going to try to kill these guys as much as possible. But when I kill them, I'm just going to let them restart and come right back alive. And that'll do a little counter to see how many times I can actually kill them during the adventure. Because otherwise, it's not fun if they just die and then it's over. And then we'll have like two <laughs> hours of uh, air to fill. So I'll just let them come back and then I'll just give them like a, a, like a little sticker or something on their badge. Like a little <laughs> like black ribbon to show every time they die. So... I'm still figuring it out, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Then I, I will I will say cryptically two saws. That's all I'm saying. Two saws. Oh, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And oh yeah, you guys can go to grimmerspace.com, obviously, to find out about this. And I, you guys have been posting a ton on Facebook, so people can follow you on Facebook and Twitter, and all the social media outlets, of course. And you guys have been very, very busy. Sure, there's there's Iron GM Games at Facebook, there's Grimmer Space on Twitter, and there's a Grimmer Space Facebook group as well. All right, well, thanks a lot, guys. Get some sleep, Roan. You sound tired. I am tired. I'm going to go right to bed. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Steve. It was great talking to you and getting a chance to talk about our, our fantastic dream here. And I really hope we can make it happen. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. I am going to go do like another hour or two worth of Kickstarter work and then pass out. <laughs> hey, everyone. Steve here. So there we go. Interview is over. Thanks once again to the guys from Iron GM Games for joining me. We will all be at PaizoCon next week. And if you want to actually see Grimmer Space in action, you can tune into Twitch Go to the Paizo channel on Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and I will be running a game of Grimmer Space. We have four volunteers, have very cool characters, a mixture of some of the pre-gens as well as their own custom-made characters, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be killing them left and right. They're just going to die. In fact, I even had specially made ribbons to put on their badges so every single time they die they get another ribbon i'm gonna hopefully have the ribbons going all the way down to their waist i just want it to look like a necktie of death by the way how i'm gonna handle that is every time they die i'll have them come back and a little more messed up each time that way we can continue on the adventure because otherwise it'll be a real short episode you know it might only be an hour long after i kill them all off uh, hopefully it will go the full four hours and i can kill them at least a good dozen times we'll see but do check that out may 25th 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern just go to twitch just go to paizo and you'll see us playing 
And of course, don't forget, look for the Kickstarter. That's actually starting up next Wednesday. May 22nd is when it goes live. You guys can check it out. It's got a who's who of industry legends contributing to this thing. It looks fantastic. The graphics alone are awesome. And quite frankly, you just don't see this type of content in the world of RPGs. Usually things go a little safer. Or if you even do, it's usually like one small supplement or one mini adventure. Here you get a massive amount of content that can hold you over for years. I'm really looking forward to it. Anyhow, with that, I'll talk and see you guys next week. See ya.